My least favorite part about collaborating with startups is what? It is the lack of professionalism. I know everybody tries their best to, to get their job done, but sometimes if just the basics are missing, um, that combined with an attitude, you know, uh, makes it sometimes pretty hard. Innovation Rockstars. Innovation Rockstars. In this episode, we welcome Ronja Stoffregen, Head of Global Startup Management at DB Schenker. Hi, and welcome back to Innovation Rockstars. My name is Chris Mürod, as always, and in this episode, I am truly excited to welcome Ronja Stoffregen. A few words about Ronja. So she is uh, currently the head of global startup management at the DB Schenker. She's also, what I learned from her socials, she's a co-author and lecturer for the study program Digital Business at the Frankfurt School of Finance and Management. And I found two hashtags. Number one is hashtag power of nice. Second one, hashtag be bold. So I'll make sure to include also a question about this. But Ronja, first of all, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for today. All right. So as always, we start straight away with a 60 seconds introduction sprint. The idea of this is really to have you, you know, 60 seconds about you, your career, uh, and also the current role. So um, I do have a digital stopwatch. We're going to add this um, in the post-production. So for the next 60 seconds, Ronja, the stage is all yours. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, moin and greetings from Hamburg. Um, yes, so the last two years I've been heading the global startup activities for DB Schenker. And here I'm uh, every day inspired by collaborating with my team um, with a goal to push new innovative solutions into the co-organization. Um, as a side hobby and privileged hobby, I call it, um, pursuing my PhD um, and the topic about when and how startups uh, pivot their business model. Um, so always uh, happy to discuss further on that topic. And then a little fun fact, perhaps, uh, before we deep dive into our work too. Um, since 2017, when I graduated from my master's in Copenhagen, I live in Hamburg, yet I never had a job here. So that's just, I think, uh, enough to say. And when it's warm, be, uh, higher than 15 degrees, I like to take a tour on my motorcycle. That's it. Hi, everyone. Oh, motorcycle. Didn't know that. That's pretty <laughs> cool. All right. Now, let's get you know just a little better. And to do that, I have three sentence starters. Uh, Ronja, and I would like to ask you to complete those sentence starters. So the first one is like this. Uh, in my journey, my greatest source of inspiration has been so far? This is a tough question. And sometimes you want to yeah. hear people, etc. But I'm going to go with passion because I had a, a privilege to actually find passion in the work I do. And uh, once you had it at one stage or project, then you know... Um, you're missing something when you don't have it anymore. So as soon as I had passion in my work, um, it just felt like I want to get things done and I didn't never watch the clock again. So I would go with passion and purpose. Beautiful answer. Okay, okay, that's fair. Number two, my least favorite part, least favorite part about collaborating with startups is what? To me, it is the lack of professionalism. Um, simply because I know that there are a bunch of really brilliant founders, etc. But yet sometimes I'm missing the basics and uh, that mm -hmm. gets frustrating um, because 
I know everybody tries their best to, to get their job done, but sometimes if just the basics are missing, um, that combined with an attitude, you know, uh, makes it sometimes pretty hard. That is very candid. Okay, cool. And uh, number three, uh, if I could give one piece of advice to startups looking to collaborate with larger companies, except for being more professional, what would it be? To me, it is when I'm talking to startups and I can tell that one, they're not too invested in actually understanding the product or problem or solution or like a process we're having, um, then I truly can say, well, you guys need to better understand the problem. You need to understand your audience. And it starts by startups coming over and say, hey, uh, we have great oat milk for um, train rides. And I say, well, that's great. Uh, please let me know if you uh, <laughs> if you got it in, inserted into the um, bistro. But uh, D.B. Schenker is not part of the personal trains train rides. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just one extent. Right. But to me, it's really know your problem and make sure that you're actually solving a problem. Yeah. So. In a, in a not so nice way, getting their shit together before they actually contact you. That That's a thing. Yeah. Yes, I agree yes. with that. Yes. But of course, your one of your hashtags is uh, hashtag power of nice. So you would probably, you, you know, wouldn't say the same sentence as I do, um, but also be bold. So I found both of them on your LinkedIn profile. And, and how has that philosophy impacted your professional career? Well, power of nice is pretty straightforward, I would say. Um, yet there's a um, more depth to it. So first of all, um, let's take it for how and how I want to collaborate with my colleagues, with startups, with uh, people, my stakeholders in my you know ecosystem. Um, I want to make sure that um, there's a candid yet open, but also um, yeah valuable part of communication because we all just do this because. We want to do it, not because we have to do it. So this is kind of power of nice when you look at it from the the basics. But then also, um, and I don't want to deep dive into this topic, but then um, being a young professional woman who kind of nailed up many of things already in her career, um, and also this goes also in my private life, right? Um, it is sometimes you're standing in front of those uh, persons, I'm not going to persona them, where you just know like, what the fuck, this is not respectful. This is not the way I want to be treated. This is not the way I want to handle life. And this can be just going in a grocery store. This can go in a cafe. This can also be in a work uh, environment. And so um, here with a bunch of women, um, kind of like uh, similar to my profile with whom I studied, etc. We always say, well, if they go low, we go high. So taking on the high note and kind of, I'm a quote person. So also like power of nice um, and then kill them with kindness. So that's why um, if they have some issues with themselves, we'd rather focus on our end and uh, not go down the river. So yeah. that's why I say uh, power of nice. Um, that's just kind of how I want to, you know, be my own um, yet walk around in my own life and then be bold is simply it started um actually in the pandemic uh when i was uh, still working at uh, the company builder uh, we founded in 2018 and i was like hitting the pandemic we had big projects and a lot of things just went uh unexpectedly south i think for many companies it did mm -hmm. especially when you're in a innovation boutique and ultimately um, I realized that every day I have to stand up every day. I want to be a uh, lead by example and be there for my 
uh, for my clients, but also for my team and for myself. And then I just started to say, okay, be bold because you got this. This is just, you know, short strength of time and then it'll pass. And uh, ultimately, um, it just kept by it. And I love the words. They're on top of my bed uh, in glitter mermaid type. So I see them every day when I wake up. <laughs> and uh, I encourage everyone um, close and far to just be bold and stand up for yourself. Yeah, I like that you are very clear about this because this makes it, you know, kind of also easy working with you. And at the same time, everybody knows what to expect. Um, so I like the clarity um, that you're putting into this. Now let's use the same clarity and, and dive into uh, venture clienting. Venture clienting, uh, Ronja, is an emerging, but for some, you know, even already established concept. Uh, let's start at the very beginnings, maybe. C can you explain in, you know, just simple terms, few words, few sentences, what venture clienting actually means and also how D.B. Schenker has adopted uh, this approach over time? Yes, absolutely. And it's one of my, one of my favorite topics. So let's get started. Um, well, first of all, venture clienting, as the name states, um, it is our aim to become a client of a venture. Um, yet the name has been, let's say, used just within the last one or two years. Um, I would say many corporates um, and SMEs have been doing the activities that, that lie behind it uh, for a very longer time than that, because ultimately um, it's just a new supplier that may be more on the riskier side, um, simply because it's still a young company. Um, with that, so since 2016, DB Schenker has a centralized uh, group of people uh, focusing on collaborating with startups. Um, and it started by also you know, testing out some things. So um, my my uh, the Daria who did my job previously, she uh, had a lot of greenfield approach, did some investments, for instance, Volocopter, um, and understand, okay, do we need some new business modeling, etc. And uh, so it was, let's say, a good mixture of uh, corporate venturing. And um, throughout the years, it just became more professional um, every year uh, with every project. And so now in the game for seven years. Um, we have a clear handbook, clear strategy, structure, process, governance model, uh, clear KPIs, clear, this is it, this is like KO criteria. So um, I would say by now it is a smooth process um, where we're more and more also gaining um, that we're not just, you know, the cool kids in uh, white shoes, but we're actually, um, our aim is to create impact. Uh, for the organization and help them to become the company they want to be. And, and how can you actually, or how are you trying to ensure exactly that, that, you know, pilots or the uh, projects you do just don't remain, you know, you said cool projects or, or cool things, but actually make a real difference? In simple terms, it all comes down to one number, it's either um, money saved or new gen mm -hmm. uh, revenue generated. So basically all of our projects can be um, yeah, seen in one number, um, yet this is quite hard to do, right? Um, yep. Because if you, for instance, uh, let's talk about the ESCO skeleton, um, it helps us to uh, yeah, decrease accidents uh, in warehouses um, simply by helping people to uh, pull up packages, etc. Um, so it's like something that you wear on your body and then you would uh, help you carry the load. Um, how do you measure 
that um, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to make some assumptions about uh, sickness days and about um, yeah days that they actually would have been sick otherwise um, by implementing the solution. Um, yet it is still pretty vague. So um, that's mm -hmm. why some of the solutions, it's very, very easy to just put a number and price tag on it and then we know when it amortized, but other projects are more on the soft side and here it's more difficult to actually um, put a number on it. But the exoskeleton is a very good example because, I mean, sure, you could come up with some financial metrics, but ultimately this is directly contributing to employee health and safety which probably is one if maybe not the most concern especially for those people right so yes i i agree i mean this is this is uh, super important but at the same time you know you could of course come up with some measurements on you know sick days and then how much money do you lose for you know because of the sick days and the things but the real issue that solving is you know for the people for the employees and making sure they're safe and sound and have less uh, injuries which is maybe even more important than money so yeah it's it's tough uh, for those projects but they have a tremendously high impact um, but maybe the financials are then just second order uh, importance yeah i i agree um absolutely yeah. and i think it's also part of our job to make sure um it is not just done to one number so obviously yeah. It is important that you're prepared, um, that you have some statistics and numbers so that you can go also on, um, you know, hard times. And um, it's sure that innovation is usually one of the first departments being closed down when it, things get tough. Um, and so uh, then it definitely helps to have some actual numbers. Um, yet uh, for us, we have uh, many different KPIs, how we measure our success. Um, also in terms of operational, uh, customer satisfaction, employee satisfaction. So those numbers are definitely more soft, but uh, yet, um, yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's good and important that uh, we care about those topics too, and not just um, on the on the revenue itself. So yeah, I agree. Absolutely, uh, and from those KPIs, you certainly can read if you're you know, um, making an, an impact and if you, this is going in the right direction or if it just, you know, are some, if they remain some cool pet projects where, you know, you might have great technology at hand, but they might, you know, it doesn't do any, any impact or any difference um, to the organization. Do you have any other real world examples of, of projects you can share how, you know, the, the venture clienting and maybe also the projects or the um, the ventures you're working with have made a tangible difference at DB Schenker? Yes. Um, I'm just going to share with you a couple of projects we're currently uh, piloting or we currently uh, just put into our standard operations just so you get also a understanding of how wide the spectrum is. So for instance, um, which has been also big in the news is everything when it comes to Volocopter, right? So here for us, it's still interesting what is going to be our use case. Um, yet um, for us, it's also important to better understand, okay, where and how does this technology go um, so that we can truly understand is this the potential new business unit or not? All right. Then let's uh, continue another big topic, very successful company, Fernride. Um, here, um, although they do not focus on uh, use cases um, that are particularly relevant for us right now in contract logistics, um, 
still we do see um, it was it was really good to do a pilot with Fernright um, to understand how how this technology works. So for everybody who doesn't know Fernright, um, it's basically doing truck driving from remote. Um, so simply, um, you know, there's a big shortage for truck drivers for everybody for yep. us. The average age for European truck drivers is 58. So um, I know we all like to order from Amazon, um, but we also need people who drive it home um, or drive it to the next warehouse. And that is why there's a huge demand, not just because of the uh, sake of the technology, but actually because of the shortage of the driver. And so for us, it's important uh, everywhere where we can uh, decrease the amount of drivers needed, um, where and how we can implement that with new technologies. So that's why uh, we did learn a lot from our um, pilot here in the Netherlands. I mean, others, for instance, talk about Flip, um, very successful in the last years. Flip is a, at the end of the day, it's our, um, let's say, mobile app for uh, blue collar workers. And in that app, you can share best practices. Um, you can share, okay, uh, this was an accident. So can somebody please help us? But you can also share like fun things. For instance, hey, there's cake left over. Um, come around and, you know, share a bit. Because before there was no, let's say, platform um, how they would communicate other than, you know, a blackboard. And so ever since uh, our blue colors have uh, mobile devices, um, it gave us a lot of new opportunities to also make use of that. And um, yeah, what else? I mean, we try around with Metaverse, we try around with uh, video creation platforms for our uh, sales and marketing colleagues. Um, there are a bunch of use cases that do not um, have a straight direct uh, relationship to uh, logistics yep. too. Yep. Um, so, I mean, we're well aware there's a lot going on in procurement and legal and marketing and um, uh, people in organization um, or former uh, human resources. And so um, yet I wouldn't say those are our priorities. We still every now and then find very relevant uh, problems and then scout solutions in that field. So that's my two cents for that. And there is many more to come, you know, we, so I, I have to say we, we do record this session in uh, October, 2023. And, uh, you know, um, in, at, at this time, uh, one of the most powerful language models was with GPT-4 just uh, learned vision, right? So it now can basically um, understand if you give it a picture, this large language model can actually read that picture and also give recommendations on what to do. So if something is broken, he, you know, a large language, large language model now can be trained to give you a recommendation and maybe even a step-by-step -step approach and how to actually fix things or how to create stuff, how to build stuff. And this also might be a very interesting avenue going forward. Again, if we listen to this podcast in one year from now, this is probably just, you know, um, as a standard, but it's new right now in October, 2023. Um, so I'm pretty sure these kind of technological advancements surely will unlock new use cases and also, uh, you know, new, new venture collaborations in that case. Um, but tell me, tell me a little bit more about your journey to actually adopt the venture clienting um, discipline. I mean, when, when we talked prior to this recording, uh, we talked about you know from from a you know push and pull perspective, um, you shifted this over the years, and this certainly also um, influenced DB Schenker's relationship uh, with partners and clients. So, can you also maybe share some of the learnings? Um, the journey, the learnings, and then also some, you know, mistakes and how you did course correct uh, over time. Yes. So when, um, when I joined in 2021, um, 
uh, there were already a bunch of successful solutions and standard operations. And I think um, the team up until this point for the first five years, you know, truly established and implemented the activities with that, um, you know, then no efficiency or professionalism wouldn't have been possible. And I guess um, it's kind of coming from the nature of doing uh, five years of consultancy that the first thing you usually do is looking at the processes and um, also making sure that if there's coming a shortage that you're ready to have the right arguments at hand. And so, um, to me, it was important that uh, we moved a little bit from let's say, just the matchmaking. Um, so understanding ourselves as the entry gate towards truly um, creating impact that we create and capture value for the organization. Um, I, I'm, with that, I'm not saying it wasn't this case before, but um, it, let's just say it was more, um, more random. And now we prioritize and focus our uh, steps forwards a little bit more focused. And um, so with that... To me, it was important um, that talking about the innovator's dilemma um, from the theory background, um, it is important to have innovation department that tackles that problem. Innovator's dilemma in just a sentence means that you're too busy with your daily operations that you do not have the capacity nor um, you know the the capacity nor the interest to actually uh, challenge your products and processes to come up with new solutions. Yep. And so that that's why I'm convinced. Um, it is our job as the innovation department to get that job done and inspire, but also challenge um, and also finger point, you know, where potentials for optimization and digitalization. And that is basically what we do. Um, and this basically comes down to uh, moving from a push approach where we would um, mm -hmm. push technologies into the organization, um, yet I still believe it is valid, especially when you're beginning of a venture client unit, um, to also have some, uh, you know, success pilots that uh, help people understand and appreciate your work. But uh, long-term perspective, if you basically, you truly want to help the organization, um, not just for the sake of doing pilots, but actually for the sake of, um, yes, uh, yeah, innovating and automating, uh, automating the the products and processes. Then you actually have to solve a problem. You have to solve a problem that's um, not just in one region, not just uh, in branch Hanover or Hildesheim, but um, maybe even scalable, so that um, you can once you implemented a solution, can have a roadmap to scale that solution um, on a global scale. And um, that is why we moved um, our process in the terms that we still do push. So every startup is happy to, um, and we'll welcome every startup to approach us and you know show us the pain point they're having, and then um, we can find we still can find together use cases. Um, but I would just say our focus has shifted towards um, identifying pain points with the business and functional units, and then doing a scouting um, for those. Uh, problems uh, for those solutions that are already in the market to actually then propose those, let's say, mitigation options um, to our colleagues in the company. I think, uh, as you mentioned, uh, thinking of this as a hybrid approach to whatever kind of degree on push and pull side is probably sounds healthy to me because, of course, if you 100% only focus on pull, pulling problems from the business and maybe also from their 
uh, customers, you you might uh, you know just not see the bigger picture, the entire thing. I mean, they're so deep into the problems and the operative um, and the tactical side of the business, which is their job for most of the cases. Uh, you know, some unconventional solutions to existing problems or maybe problems that are foreseen to arise in the future, they wouldn't be solved by only asking, you know, what are your problems? How can we solve them? Um, but of course, the relevance, and it's much more hands-on if you have the pull approach and get people from the business to also appreciate um, the work because it really solve a problem again for them, for the clients, whomever. Um, so yeah, I, I totally see why you go from push to pull and then maybe also um, have a, some hybridity um, baked into this approach. It just makes perfect sense for the for the value you can add to the organization. Um, but interesting, interesting to hear. What, what would you say was your biggest mistake? There are a bunch. <laughs> um, I would say my biggest mistake is um, patience. So I'm not by nature not really mm. a patient person and I've been pushing a lot of things <laughs> when I came um, you know coming from a world that is pretty speedy where mm. um, I basically have my own rules and then coming into an environment that um, once you get things started you know it's even higher there's a higher return and there's a higher leverage but um, I believe I did a, a fantastic job running um into other people's advocates and uh, practices, um, challenging a lot. And I learned to, you know, sometimes I don't have to win every battle and let's just accept certain things the way they are. I think it's a pretty corporate thing to do. Um, but uh, I think sometimes um, I, I must, I had to understand that uh, it makes also sense that it works this way. Um, if that makes sense to the audience. I think everybody who did work inside of the corporate, they know what I mean. Um, so even though sometimes you're thinking to yourself, well, why do we have to align this and why do we have to that? At the end, it actually makes perfectly sense because um, the people actually know what they're doing um, and they've been doing it for a longer time. And so, yeah, I, I would say sometimes accepting the process and being patient is one of the mistakes. Um, yeah. But then at the same time, I also like to challenge the status quo. So I'm not sure if it's a real mistake. Well, yeah, I, I agree, but I'm I'm uh, I'm also still working hard on my patient levels, so so I'm definitely in the same boat. Uh, okay, before we move to the future, um, Ronya, I I would like to play a quick game. Uh, the quick game is called Rapid Fire Round. This is super simple. Uh, it goes like this: I do ask a question, and the key of this is that you answer fast. So don't overthink. I know you're not overthinking anything, but you know, speed is key in that. Uh, so mm -hmm. let's go for this. Three questions. Number one, if DB Schenker was a vehicle, what would it be? A super truck that can also go in the water and fly if it needs to um, while organizing itself. Oh, mm -hmm. that's You actually wanted powerful. to hear a brand, right? But you know, in Hamburg, no, we have no, those no, buses no. that go into the water. So it yes, actually makes sense. Yes, I've seen them. No, 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 no brand. Totally. Perfectly fine. Vehicle type, that's a novel vehicle, vehicle type somewhat, but beautiful. Okay, number two, what is a technology trend you were skeptical about, but later you embraced? I would say everything about um, the technology of uh, underground high-speed transportation. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So basically Hyperloop, hard Hyperloop, etc. I was quite skeptical about it. Um, then we went to hard Hyperloop in Rotterdam 
And mm. I truly understand use cases. I truly understand why it makes sense. For instance, less maintenance, higher safety, you know, it better fields in the environment. So to me, um, that was eye-opening because I truly understand, yeah, you don't have to do it where everything exists already. But if you want to build new cities and uh, not focus so much on roads as it is as today, then um, it could be a really cool solution. Yeah, super interesting. I've, I've seen um, some of the guys from Hard Hyperloop, I don't know if they were called this uh, back then, a couple of years ago at a conference where they introduced their concept and everybody was just staring at them like, what are these guys even talking about? I mean, we we have, you know, sub, we already have sub-level transportation, but was a hyper thing? So they, they really had a... Uh, interesting vision and also technology that they wanted to pull off a couple of years ago, but um, it's it's great to see that this is advancing at that pace. Um, interesting. Okay. And can you also, that's number three, uh, Ronja, please name a startup that has impressed you recently and also why it has impressed you. I think to me it's important, or I like those startups that actually um, solve a problem. Um, good example, and I don't mm -hmm. want to do any bashing, but I use Flink and Gatia and, you know, you name it, but do they really mm -hmm. solve a problem? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I, I am also not mm -hmm. a big fan mm -hmm. of all these platforms, um, because, um, but now you asked me about why they, something uh, positive and I, I made it into venting, but, um, to me, it's everything where you actually, uh, use the app and it's like, Hey, this is pretty cool. So I would yeah. use it again. Um. But I think that's pretty straightforward. So, so anything that's 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 really helping you solve something, yeah. Okay. Yeah, something that actually helps the process. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Uh, now, if you think about the future for uh, you know venture clienting specifically at DB Schenker, um, again, there there uh, as we spoke last time, uh, you told me there's a new branding on the horizon. Maybe it's already out, maybe not, I don't know. Um, can, can you give us a sneak peek or some update on this and, and what prompted the need for a new branding? What, why do you change? Absolutely, I love this question. So um, a month ago, we launched the brand Startup Terminal. Um, so DB Schenker Startup Terminal. And um, mm -hmm. I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, happy to um yeah, see people interested in our work, also having an external platform for it. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't change anything we're doing. So at the end of the day, it uh, basically just gives us another platform to truly target our, um, yeah, our messages and our language towards the ecosystem that we want to tailor it to. Um, and I think it helps us to strengthen our positioning internally and externally. Um, obviously, it is in line with all the other venture client units. So um, maybe there's a little bit of FOMO, but I really don't think so because I truly see um, the benefit we have with our own brand. And uh, the, the beautiful thing is we do it reverse fake it till you make it, right? There are mm -hmm. a bunch of companies, startups, client, venture client units, et cetera, that uh, first have a fancy web page and then start hiring people. And that's fair. I understand why you do it. Um, but for us, we actually have everything already underlying. And so Startup Terminal is um, our way of moving forward to even further professionalize our activities. Um, and it also, um, you know, Schenker Ventures has been uh, founded two years ago um, as the venture capital and venture studio vehicle of DB Schenker. It is part of our department, yet um, I understand that it gets confusing for 
everybody, <laughs> for startups, for our colleagues, uh, who does what. And so uh, every now and then we also have to clarify. So I, I believe um, having now these two brands, one does the investment and does mm -hmm. the new venture building, and the other one is actually doing the operational side with the core organization. I think this also helps to clarify. It does, absolutely. And it clearly shows that you continue to make an impact for DB Schenker's innovation efforts. Um, Startup Terminal, that's that's a pretty neat name. Um, and, you know, you uh, earlier in this podcast, you, um, you know, talked about uh, that you and your colleagues, you know, need to see some scaling, um, at least thoughts, effort or solutions or concepts from the startups you're working with, you know, not just deploy this to a city, but how can this, for example, be deployed on a global scale? Is it the same thing for, for DB Schenker? Um, is there also, you know, a, a, an even more global approach um, planned to roll out DB Schenker's um, startup terminal um, achievements and ambitions to even, you know, more countries, more people? Is there anything on the horizon? So we constantly evaluate our activities and also where and how it makes sense to further push it. And and here a little bit, you know, the German uh, <laughs> the German um, way of doing things sometimes uh, comes into place. So for instance, when you look at the US, um, mm -hmm. I think I'm not sure if they actually need a venture client unit, um, simply because uh, people in the US from their um, from their mindset are by default more open to collaborate with startups. Yeah. So um, at the end of the day, a startup is just another supplier, right? So do they actually need somebody who is the mediator between finding suppliers that have a, you know, more venture track? Um, or is it just a, you know, I'm not sure if they really do care about the difference, but those are questions that we're <laughs> asking ourselves right now. Um, so simply, I think with the establishment and implement implementation of the brand startup terminal, we now have a sound base to actually um, yeah, focus or um, yeah, also do our job more on a global scale. So um, what we're currently doing is understanding where and what it makes sense. And um, and then we would go from there. Um, but definitely, I must admit, even though our department is called Global Innovation, um, you know, you do business with the people you know and you like. Um, and so yet we have some pilots in the US or in Israel or, you know, in other countries in, in Asia. Um, but simply because of capacity and, you know, time zones, um, it has been a focus on Europe. And we'd like to break that up and, um, yeah, make it more global that makes perfect sense um and now so we, we're, we're already quite far uh, into into all the all the stories on yeah um but before we wrap up um now that i have you here maybe i can get just from you know off the top of your mind three recommendations for the listeners um that they can take away uh, take away with them uh, from this episode, maybe maybe we can do one from a corporate perspective. So you know, corporates um, that want to, you know, establish or just are starting out to establish venture clienting practices, what they should look out for. Same thing for the startups. We had a similar question at the beginning, but maybe one actual recommendation for startups that again want to get in contact with you or potentially, you know, in different industries with any other large um, corporations. And then also one, again, from your personal experience or personal work ethics, whatever there is um, for the listeners to take away with. All right. So let's start with the corporates. Um, so first of all, if you have the means to establish a venture client unit or 
call it whatever you like, um, st somebody that takes it on their responsibility and accountability to um, foster innovative solutions into uh, bringing them into the organization, then um, let's just do it um, simply because I think it helps you as the organization to stay head to toe with competitors about innovations, technologies, etc. It helps startups to grow their business and helps the economy um, and society to, you know, further collaborate, have that mindset, um, push also entrepreneurship in Germany and beyond. And um, yeah, in, on a, you know, on a global scale. So um, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not going to share any numbers, but for DB Schenker, it has a tremendous also financial return, um, mm -hmm. not just that we have the latest technologies, but also, um, yeah, that we can... Um, yeah, in our own terms, can um, contribute to the PNL. All right, and then the second question was for startups. Um, I think I mentioned this earlier, so make sure um, two things. First of all, make sure you're actually solving a problem and make sure you know your audience. Um, by that, I mean know who is your champion inside of the organization. And then um, secondly, I just talked on Friday to a startup um, and they weren't even aware that there is such thing as venture client units um, that dedicate their work and time mm -hmm. towards uh, helping startups get into the organization. And when you think about it, um, I've, we now host the venture client roundtable for the fifth time. Um, and there are more than 70 uh, companies already part of the venture client roundtable. Um, so I would just say there's a bunch, bunch, bunch of companies that dedicate those people and resources to that work. So uh, make sure your sales department in the startup uh, team is also aware that there are people helping you. Um, with their best interest to push your solution into the organization. So um, this is to everybody who is in sales in the startup, make sure um, you know how and where to tackle the organization. That is super practical advice. Really great to hear for every startup out there that's interested in getting um, into into contact um, and that these even exist. I agree. I mean, if you're in your startup bubble, probably or in your technology bubble or in your Berlin, Hamburg, Munich, whatever community, um, maybe straight out of university, how would you know if nobody told you that there is actually people in large organizations such as D.B. Schenker that care about this? Um, so you need to tell them, you need to educate them. How should they know this is not being taught in the typical university lecture, I assume? Um, so yeah, um, that's a very, very practical advice. Good to hear. Yes, and on the last note, uh, personal advice, I mean... Everybody has to run their own lives, right? But uh, to me, um, I would say at the end of the day, those to be bold and trust the process um, simply by meaning, um, yeah, for me, I have set a clear agenda of what I think as of today I want to achieve and I want to, um, you know, do in my life and um, and also pretty, pretty well know what I don't want to do. And so every time when I'm doing jobs or um, holding on projects, doing side hustles, etc., then I'm also uh, asking myself, does this pay into my long-term goal? And if it doesn't, then um, I'm also happy to say no. Um, and so at the end of the day, 
And then with that, it also helps me to not always, you know, challenge because I think we're people from first world. We tend to have like always this, okay, am I on the right track? You know, challenge everything like, okay, is this the right friendship? Is this my right city? Is this, mm. you know, why, why am I, why did I study finance? <laughs> you know, sometimes, uh, yeah, I definitely have those moments where I'm like, okay, what I'm actually doing. And then I take a deep bath. I'm just like, well, no, you're actually on the right track. Um, so just keep on heading towards the direction. And that definitely helps me. That is great advice. And having that said, uh, if you look uh, back on your professional career so far, I mean, there's a lot more to come, but so far, what, what do you think, now what would you say was your greatest innovation rockstar moment to date? I think to me, it's just exciting to see what has happened in the past 12 years since uh, I graduated from high school. Um, Little did I know where I would have sent today. And so mm. um, every year it just goes wilder and crazier. And I'm excited. Um, yeah, I think it's just the beginning. So I'm quite excited what's going to happen. A lot to come. All right. And, and with that, uh, Ronja, thanks very much for the uh, insights, for the advice, for sharing your experience with uh, the audience. I'd say that's it for, for this episode. Uh, thanks so much again for being um, I guess it was really a pleasure uh, to listen to you um, and uh, for everybody if you want to get in touch uh, with Ronja I'm sure you found her on any major social media profiles um, or platforms LinkedIn and the like so thanks for being here thank you for having me and uh, yeah excited for what comes for both of us all right. And to everybody listening or watching, if you enjoyed this episode, then simply leave us a comment on this episode or drop us an email at info at innovationrockstars.show. And as always, if you want to get in touch with my guests, simply check the socials. That's it. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. See you. Bye-bye. That was Innovation Rockstar, Ronja Stoff-Regen on Next Level Venture Clienting at DB Schenker. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Don't hesitate to reach out to us at info at innovationrockstars.show with your feedback, comments, or questions. And if you're hungry for more inspiring innovation stories, be sure to check out our website at www.innovationrockstars.show or browse to our Innovation Rockstars channel on all major podcast platforms 